When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Courtside with Christy and Gabe right here on the Her Hoop Stats Podcast Network. I am Christy Winter Scott, joined as always by my guy, Gabe Ibrahim, and we are down to four. We started at 68. And mm-hmm. now we have four, Gabe, and wow, did you get your bracket right? No, well, I was going to bring up our bracket. <laughs> I was going to bring up our bracket in just a second um, to tell everyone how we're doing, you know, because I, I, we're doing pretty well. We're doing pretty well, but it feels like, does it feel like yesterday, like we were literally, like we were doing the courtside podcast, courtside after the second round. Yes. That was like a week yeah. ago. It, that was it feels awesome, like, by the way. Oh, it's so much fun. It was so much fun <laughs> to do that in College Park. Yeah. Um, but we got to do that. And now it's just like, boom, blink of an eye. I'm heading right. to Minnesota tomorrow. And then the season's going to be over on Sunday. Oh, my gosh. Like, it went by in the blink of an yeah. eye. And we hope yeah. you're following us at Her Hoop Stats. <laughs> we hope you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, mm-hmm. Our Twitter names are going to pop up. Some somewhere below us now uh, because we covered all of it. We, you know, we were in College Park. We had people at some of the at the first and second rounds. We had people at. Uh, I was in Greensboro for the tournament. Um, me and Marissa were. Me and Marissa Sisk were in, were in Greensboro. We had uh, a crew like three people in Bridgeport, and then we had you, Christy, in Wichita. So we had you covered. We had you covered. I hope you. I hope you watched it. But uh, yeah, it's. Uh, it's been a wild ride. Do you want to hear where our bracket is? Do you, do you want to know? I do. Let's start off with that and then and then trickle down through it all. Okay, let me let me get like the actual I, I wrote down that we are 56th. 56th in okay. which isn't bad because last so year bad. last Consider. year I was uh like 221st. I was like really close mm-hmm. to being dead last 
uh, <laughs> among among the pool. So we are 56 in a group of, let me get the- 57. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just joking. 186. Oh, okay, so- yeah. 108, that's pretty that's good. That's not bad. That's pretty good. <laughs> I, I'd say it's pretty good. I'm, I'm pretty proud of that. Um, you know, we are, what, what, so we have, let's see, um, 910 points with a possible okay. 1,550 points remaining. Do you, do you want to take yeah. a guess where our big miss was? Oh, no, you got it. Just tell me. It's the Indiana game. That, that really killed oh, us. Picking Indiana over UConn in the Sweet 16. Um, uh, they were, yeah. They, the first half was good, a four-point game at half. And then that third quarter just, wow, just really changed the entire game. So well, whatever the halftime talk was from Gino. I mean, yeah well i think and yukon yukon's looked really good since that second yeah. half so uh they have, they have. And, and you know i'm glad we got that nc state game we'll talk more about the nc state game a little bit but i'm glad it didn't happen because it, it it was it was a little <laughs> bit wishful thinking and it was and we got that really great nc state yukon yeah, game but that Amazing. was our that was our big miss the other one which is my fault uh is oh. we should have we should have followed your intuition on michigan because i'm pretty sure you had michigan going to the elite eight I did. And, and I, I talked this out of it to take a BYU over them. I think BYU lost in the first round. So that, that one's my fault. That one's my fault. That's on me. That's I'll, not right. I mean, I'll raise my hand. My bad. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, that killed us. And um, let's see, you also want to take Villanova or BYU in the first round, which would have given us a couple more points, but you know, Hey, we have three out of four in the final four. We have South Carolina, Stanford and uh, Louisville. So yeah. Hooray. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. And I want to mention the, the top bracket is from Jeremy is gross. Uh, they're, uh, they are top the uh, HHS pool. And, you know, Jeremy, I don't think you're gross personally. I, yeah, I hope you're not I gross. Don't your, yeah. your bracket's incredible. Your bracket's incredible. <laughs> they have all, they have all four of the final four teams. So good, good for yeah. them. Good job, um, bro. So yeah, but you <laughs> know, hey, bro. look, Look, I think we did pretty well, right, Christy? Like, I'm, I'm a little, pr- I'm pretty proud of this. This is, this is good. This is so yeah. much better than what I did last year. Yeah, I, you know, it's so tough to predict and prognosticate, you know, and you try to factor in all the her hoop stats mm-hmm. and all of everything, all the analytics, and then you know you can't account for injury, as we said at the beginning of all of this, and when there were 68 teams, but when it comes down to it, I mean, we have seen it. It's the teams that can defend, right? Yeah. But it's also the teams that can have consecutive offensive possessions where they execute and score. Like we've seen great execution sometimes, ball's not going in the basket. Mm-hmm. And those teams are not winning games. Free throws have taken teams out of this tournament oh, too. I mean, just at, at an explosive rate. And it's almost shockingly so. Uh, I have not seen that be as much of an issue as I have this year. Uh, teams that just haven't been able to maximize those possessions on the line. And, and it's always, I mean, as a team, you want to be shooting 75% mm-hmm. as a team. And I've seen some really low numbers on the line and, and this is what you do, right? And then you're in the gym by yourself in the summer. Don't you get up 500 free throws or yep. was that just me or, you know, <laughs> I, cause I was like, I was a stickler cause I was terrible from the line, but I had to really, really work on it. So it was something I really put a lot of time into and not that I was, you know, I think career-wise I was probably in the seventies or something like that, but I mean, it wasn't like I was shooting 95%, yeah. but I went from a terrible place <laughs> with my free throws to get it to 70. So, I mean, there, there is 
um, a possibility for you when you put the work in to get better there. And I think kids need to really focus on that across the board, like all levels, all genders. I think we've really seen a drop off. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, so the the one thing that I always think about, especially when we get to tournament time that you brought up, um, I think at the beginning of last year is like free throw shooting is a conditioning exercise. It is. You, ha- you have to be conditioned. I, I love that because yeah. it, it that that's what's coming up. I think at this time of year, on um, both sides, like you mentioned, men's and women's, um, yeah. Like it is. You have to be in shape. You have to be ready. You have to you have to know like what your body is to hit those free throws. And I think exactly. you know, like South Carolina did a really good job getting in shape for that time frame at the end of the game to hit yeah. those free throws. Leah Boston in particular, yeah. you know, she yes. completely redid her body in part to make sure that she was in shape to hit free throws at the end of the game. So um, right. I'm with you. I'm with you. I think it's been huge on both sides. But Gabe, I also think, you know, for as, as much as it is physically, you know, to be in condition for those moments, mm-hmm. man, it's a mental, mental. fight yeah. too. Like, you know, you have to put yourself in those situations mentally, like paint the picture. I think I was like, I was, for me personally, I think I was very good at creating stressful mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. moments for myself. And, you know, and maybe over the over the top with it, but I think it really helped me when I got into the game. I mean, to flash it back, right? We were in the final, um, the regional final, Spokane mm-hmm. region, my junior year at Texas. A gazillion people, and I've told the story before yeah. a little bit, how it was packed in there on the free throw line with 12 seconds to go. And my mom thought I shot it too fast, like because she knew my rhythm, my dribble, spin, dribble, dribble, spin, like I did it all the time. Um, But she said she thought I did it too fast. She thought I was going to miss it. But I made both my free throws. But it's because I was at the line in the gym by myself saying 12 seconds, packed crowd, focus on your mechanics and do the same thing. Right. Yeah. And, you know, there were times that, that that didn't work so well for me in high school. It happened my freshman year, missed free throws in a critical moment. And that's what drove me to get better from the line. And then that moment happened. So it's a process, but it's also, yes, you want to be physically in condition, but mentally you got to prepare too for those moments and be ready to attack and execute. And I think from the free throw line, it sounds so easy, but there is a lot to that. I mean, there's oh, yeah. focus. There's, I mean, we've seen Elena Deladon, you know, the master of, of making her free throws with not a lot of, you know, different mechanics. It's a lift and flick and that's it. And, you know, she has just perfected it. But I think there's also a mental side of that conditioning that, that we don't talk about enough. I still remember that she missed one, she missed one free throw in the uh, game five. Oh yeah. I was like shocked. I was, and she was hurt. She was hurt and everything. She had yeah. the two the two herniated discs in her back, and it was still shocking to see her miss a free throw despite knowing three that she was hurt. Three but, of them. Right, right. She yeah, she missed multiple. It was just insane. Right. I mean, they still won the game. No, no, three herniated discs. Oh three yeah, three herniated, herniated discs. discs. Yeah, I don't know how she did it with the knee and the mask and everything, but you know, she's super superhero for that. Incredible. <laughs> well, we'll talk more. We'll talk more about Leanne yeah. Daldon. Uh, I also want. I also want to briefly <laughs> give a shout out to my wife, um, Emily, who I've talked about this. She, uh, she like was a late entry and like me and my friends have like a little, uh, right. bracket pool. Um, and she like the two days before a tournament, she was like, Hey, can I join? And I was like, sure. And I texted all my guy friends, like she's going to win. She beats me every <laughs> single year. She beats me every single year in the men's side. I love it. Uh, not because she watches that much more. She just is a North Carolina fan. Oh, well, see, she then. So, so this year she's picked 
North Carolina, Villanova, and Kansas. In her wow, final. good girl. Hey, Eb, I'm telling you, whenever we do our dinner game, like oh, whenever we do our dinner, I'm going to go ahead and, and give her a pound <laughs> on that. We're going to fist bump on that. She, that's, that's pretty awesome. She had Miami in the Sweet 16. She, oh, wow. she's incredible. It's an incredible bracket. Uh, <laughs> and I told everyone it was going to happen. I was like, guys, I'm telling you, she's going to, she's going to win. If we get, if we put her in the group, she's going to win. And we put her in the group anyways. So funny. So shout, shout to my wife. Uh, yeah. <laughs> shout out. All right. So that's a bracket update. Uh, I just want to, you know, let everyone know. And also UConn fans, I know you guys were in our, our comments here on YouTube. Feel free to take shots at me. Um, it, it is, it is uh -oh. what it is. I was totally hey, Hey, no, no, go, go ahead. Go crazy. I was going to come up. If I was right, I would have been insufferable. Uh, so um, I just want, I want to let people know that if I was correct and Indiana beat UConn or NC state beat UConn, I would have been up here pounding my chest. So feel free to, to, to take aim at me in the comments. Uh, Cause I, I, I do deserve that one. I got to say I had that one coming because man, uh, UConn, UConn was something special uh, against yeah. NC state. Um, they were. You want to talk about that game? Let's just talk about that game. I feel like let's just go with that because I mean, first oh of my all, God. Flat out amazing. We had it on. Um, I was in Wichita. We were about to have our game because it was the one right yeah, before yeah. ours. And they had it up on the Jumbotron. So all oh, the fans awesome. in the arena were living and dying on every pass, shot, free throw. We were just talking about free throws. Mm -hmm. So it was pretty cool just to, you know, have all those fans also watching. They're probably on their phones watching, but wow, they had it yeah. on the Jumbotron. So they put their phones away. But uh, just ridiculously amazing. And then that shot. Oh my gosh, that sent it into the second oh, overtime. And then the Cage in the second half in the two overtimes. Come on, dudes. I mean, you can't you can't write that one better. And I think Gino said as much. Like we we should both get in to the final four. He hated that Wes Moore had to uh lose with his team because of the effort that they put in in that game. And then Dorka Juhas gets hurt. I mean, there were so many dramatic moments, um, highs and lows in that game just to to digest and take in. It's tough to comprehend it all at once. I tell you that. No, and and, and you know, I feel really bad for Dork. I mean, you know, she I she know. was she was clear hair. Yeah. I, I was uh, I was upset that they they lingered on it so long. But um, regardless, you know, just hope all the best to her and hope she's all right. Um, I think she she said that she's coming back already this year. So, uh, so she'll be back next year, I believe. I believe. I am not sure on that. I am not sure on that, but. I mean, it was just a gruesome situation. Uh, no. Yeah, and it was just really sad. And she's a sweetheart of a girl. I mean, she was at Ohio State for a couple of seasons. So I got to know her and just always engaging, always came over to the table, you know, just to, to say hello after practices and stuff like that. Just a sweet, kind young lady. So yeah. just all the best to Dorka on that. Yeah, all the best to her. But man, I mean, the game was, I, I compared it to uh, Avengers Infinity War on Twitter because <laughs> it was just like the narratives were perfect it was like yeah. it was like you couldn't you had uh an excellent play right you had you had the stars shining you had Paige, you know giving us a wonderful game 15 points in overtime uh yeah. she was perfect she was five for five in overtime six for six at the line no turnovers no fouls literal right. perfection in mm -hmm. in the overtime when you caught neither or most you had um, you know, bad calls that are going to be controversial forever. Um, you had some in, some questionable coaching decisions, which are also going to be talked about for a long time. And you just had the the whole narrative was perfect. I thought, you know, the the I felt so bad. I was going to feel so bad for whoever lost that game. I remember thinking, oh yeah, yeah. In, in OT, I was like, I I just feel bad for whoever because like 
you know, NC State, to me, I, I love watching that team this year. Their seniors have worked so hard to build that program. Westmore has got it going finally. Yeah. In yeah. NC State, and they finally get over the hump, right? They win the, they win right. the, the double in the ACC with the tournament championship and the regular season championship yeah. for the first time since 84, 85. They Up finally get past the Sweet 16, and it took everything they had against North Carolina, I mean, Notre Dame. Yeah. And then they get there and they're just so close and didn't, didn't happen for them. And on the other side, I was even, I, I like, I was looking at UConn. I was like, these kids, they've worked so hard. You know, yeah. They put everything out there. I felt bad for everything. Jordan. And I was just like, I, I felt so bad for whoever's going to lose that game. And, and Gina was yeah. right. It's a shame. It's a shame that someone had to lose. Yeah, it's a shame. And, you know, you were talking about execution and, and coaching decisions. I know Wes Moore said that he wished you could redo that last play over again. Yeah. and you know get a better look uh, and we were watching that with bated breath right to see what yeah. they were going to come up with and you know they just didn't get the shot that they wanted so he said he's going to have to sit and live with that for a long time and as a coach first of all as a player that's hard but yeah. as a coach I think it's even harder and yeah. I think it's worse because you know you want your kids to experience success and you're responsible for that experience. Mm-hmm. So I, it, it's, uh, it's, I think it's, it's 10 times worse as a coach yeah. in retrospect to know that, you know, obviously he drew up that magnificent play to get the ball in the corner. So, I mean, there were plays that they executed yeah. perfectly, um, but that one just uh, fell short and they looked disjointed and disorganized on that particular play. And, and boy, if they had it back, I wonder what he would have. Yeah. gone to in his bag of tricks to uh to execute something for a better look so it's it, it was tough all the way around yeah. just dramatic like you said but wow Paige, with a magnificent second half and overtime az had 19 like she was amazing mm-hmm. and it wasn't just her shooting she had some great assists and she was able to make good reads she you know the defense just went underneath on every action to her um, yeah she was able to and, and they were there was no help on the back end of that she scored on a couple of those but also dropped dimes to the weak side on a couple of those reads so i i thought az did a tremendous job of making the correct reads as a freshman on that stage and in that situation and Paige only a sophomore so these babies okay are out there uh, doing what they do and super proud of them because i know them but second of <laughs> all just just super proud of of the game like the women's game had i think two million eyes on yeah. that game or, or over that and i just think it, it just serves it just serves everyone you know it, it serves the next generation of players watching freshmen and sophomores and and teams in general um just fight for it and yeah. i think that improves the game as well right to see what it takes to win so they're going to carry that to their AAU teams, their high school teams, hopefully South Lakes team. Um, and then, <laughs> and then, you know, it just motivates everyone to be better. And as coaches too, it motivates coaches to be better and to understand those moments and to be able to execute and to perform and, and be responsible, right. As a yeah. player and a coach in, in those moments. So just a lot of, a lot of great stuff came out of that game. No. Yeah. And I want, I want to add Kristen Williams to that list of, of players yeah. just because yeah, 21 yes. points, uh, not the best shooting night, but she stuck with it and she came up huge for her team. She and, you know, she's, she's been a player who's been a huge part of this UConn program for a long mm-hmm. time. I feel like she's just, she gets a little overlooked and it's not her fault. It's like, she's on the team with star, like stars that have risen above basketball to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, she kind of get, gets, gets, you know, a little bit lower on the, on the rung, but 
I, I thought she was incredible. I thought she was a huge reason they won. I thought on the That's other true. side, you know, you got to give it up to Kunain, who had a nice game offensively. Um, you know, I talked a little bit about our defensive shortcomings, but, you know, it, it, the whole yeah. thing on the strategy, too, like I, I see people like just going like, oh, they're slamming West for for going under screens or for doing this or for doing that. And, you know, I, I, I said that I disagree with the idea of him hedging. You know, I kind of broke that down on tape um, mm-hmm. for my for my own newsletter. But um, the like I get it. The choices are bad when you're playing UConn. It is a tough team to guard. All of your choices are bad. Right. All of the choices are bad. It's the same thing with South yeah. Carolina and pretty much all teams yeah. in top four. Your choices are bad. So it's like, yeah. are we going to stick? We got I think to a certain extent, like in the tournament, I think one of the most difficult things for coaches is deciding, do we stick with what we've done the majority of the year? Do we change things? How much can we change? I'm seeing things on scout. Here's my idea. Do we have time mm-hmm. to implement it? If we try to implement it and we can't, this is going to screw. So I think the coaching at this point in the season is extremely right. difficult. So I'm always like, you know, I, I get, I get where the criticisms come from. I think a lot of them are fair. I just think that, you know, you have, I think people have to understand like it is difficult to, to yeah. make those calls in this time. of year. Oh, no doubt about it. And I think you heard it. I mean, on the men's side with coach K at Duke, yeah. he said, you know, we went to the zone and that saved us. But my guy said, hey, coach, can we go back yeah. to man to man? And he's like, all right. So there's a lot of trust, too. And it's mm-hmm. not necessarily it is always going to be what got you here. Right. The yeah. basis of your your progression and your philosophies is going to be what got you here is is your defense and the way that you play it, whatever scheme you choose. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you have to try to tweak a little bit here and there just to make sure that um, you have the flexibility yeah. and the trust to, to move and advance in the tournament. So I think when you hear coach K say something like that, like he's not going to yeah. like what you just said, this is what got us here. We're going to stick with it no matter what. And I think he's coached for 40 years. So yeah. I think he understands that those kids are the ones that have to execute it. Those kids are the ones who, um, you know, are invested physically and mentally and, and getting yeah. the job done. So yes, the zone saved you for a couple of possessions, which is great. And I love that strategy. Love to do it myself, like throw it in there, yeah. just see what they do and save us some possessions, you know, and then go back to, you know, what you need. But I think for him to say, sure, let's switch back. You know, I think that gave the, the players um, mental confidence, yeah, yeah. right? To for say, sure. well, wow, he, he trusts us. He has confidence in us that we can go from what has been working well in an in a, in a elimination game to come in and say, okay, I'll, I'll go with you guys on this. You guys just make it work, mm-hmm. talk on defense, call the screens and, and get the job done. And I think, you know, there's a lot to be said for that as well. The trust yeah. factor is huge for coaches and players at yeah. this point in the season. Well, and I think, you know, it's always interesting to think about like what, what comes first, right? Does the trust come first? Does success come first? Cause it's, it's good. Like, when you're successful, it's easy to trust. When you when you lose, it's hard to trust, right? Because then you start questioning, right? Like NC State, I'm yeah. talking about the hedges and we're talking about, you know, should Diamond yeah. Johnson be in there, right? But it's like, if they won, all of it's gravy. All of it, yeah. We're not talking about all of the coaching mistakes that Gino made in that game, because he did. And he's, an, right. I mean, he's a legendary coach, but he made mistakes. Sure. And I'm sure he would admit that he made mistakes. But sure. we're not talking about it because it's a win. You know, life is a results-based yeah. industry. Right. So is basketball. So I, I just think I've always thought like 
does it, what comes first? Is it the trust that comes first or is it the success that comes first? I think we're at the point now where all of these teams are extremely together. You don't get to, you don't get to a final four without being together and trusting each yeah. other and, and understanding like what's going to happen in the highs and what's going to happen in the lows. And I think all four of these teams have wellered that this year, even South Carolina, who's been incredible number one team all season long, they've had yes. to weller some lows and, and they've had to look at themselves in the mirror and ask themselves, how much do we trust each other? How much, are, how together are we? And they've mm-hmm. remained focused. And I think that's true for all of the teams, but you know, NC state, UConn, yeah. absolutely the game of the tournament so far. I don't think that's a question, right? Like, no, not even close. That That's a legendary game. Legend. I mean, that's the game that we're going to go back to and, and examine and look at uh, for a long time. And I think just those moments, and like you said, which comes first, the trust of the success. And I, I think it is the success. I, you know, I was just thinking about it while you were talking too. And, and I just think it's the success. And then, you know, we've done it before. Let's do it again. Mm-hmm. And I think for South Carolina in particular, that's what we've seen, right? They didn't get the job done in the SEC tournament, lost to Kentucky in that game. So I think, you know, they, they retooled themselves. They've gotten some shots to fall. Don Staley saying, you know, we know we're not going to make every shot. We know we've had some droughts offensively in games, but what remains the same is our staunch defensive attention to detail. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's gotten them back to the final four this season. And I think Aaliyah Boston coming up with like (laughs) double doubles, like on a regular all throughout the tournament. I mean, a 28 and 22 game. 28 and 22. I was there. I was there watching her. I was like, I'm, I don't think anybody in the world could stop her at the moment. Like I, I was literally like, I don't think there's a player in the world that could stop her from getting her offense rebound right now. Oh, just phenomenal. Right. I mean, phenomenal. And you know, next level player, obviously in the WNBA, but for Aaliyah Boston to perform right now, the way that she's mm-hmm. performing, I think she's ready for a do-over, you know, from last year's final four. I think the entire team is hungry for that, but her in particular, I think she's playing at a different, different vibe. She's on a different yeah. frequency and, and she's just tough. And then the board work, I mean, come on, like you said, nobody, nobody's doing um, a good job of getting her off the glass. And I don't know who would be able to, um, who's remaining in the, in the final four, who, who can keep her off the glass? Well, let's talk about the other three teams. Yeah. yeah, let's talk about, it. let's get, let's get right into our, our Louisville let's South go. Carolina preview. I want to get, I want to get your reactions from being in Wichita and seeing that mm-hmm. uh, these teams up close. Sorry to Tennessee and South Dakota. We're not going to talk as much about you as you deserve, but yeah. we will someday. We will someday. Cause we have many we episodes this podcast, but let's, I want let, let's preview this matchup. Let's start with South Carolina. Like you were just saying, I mean, no, yeah. first off, there's not a single, there's not one player that can keep her off the boards. Perhaps there's a team that could do it. Um, I don't know necessarily it's going to, it takes five people. And that was a, that was a theme with both North Carolina and Creighton. Both those teams are undersized, but even if you have some one person that's big enough to, to kind of hold her at bay, right? still five, you gotta get five people on the defensive glass when you're playing South Carolina. And, and like Creighton did, I'm telling you, Creighton did a really good job of that. And she still dominated because you couldn't, what are you going to do? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. There's only so much you could do to overcome a four inch height disparity between your tallest player and their tallest player. And right. that's what, that's the case for a lot of teams. Um, so, I mean, she's just like on another plane of existence yeah. right now. Like there's not, there's no stopping her. In my opinion, right. there's no stopping her. Yeah. That being said, I'm a little concerned about their offense still just a little bit. Okay. 
Um, you know, I, I came into this week, you know, very concerned about it. I talked about mm-hmm. it a lot. Um, and then they posted two straight games of a of a hundred offensive rating. And you know they played they played well, but still, you know, it still doesn't feel quite mm. right. Still feels like the spacing's a little off. Um, yeah. They're still not hitting threes a ton, and that's affecting no. them. But I don't know. I I just at this point I'm asking like, does it matter? <laughs> does it matter if their <laughs> offense is an at peak performance? I think so. Okay. I, I think so, and I think. You know, right now they've got to be at their best on both sides of the ball, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I know Don Staley said, "Hey, we're not going to make every shot. You don't need yeah. to make every shot, but you got to make the makeable shots, right? Right? You've got to knock them in." And and the shot selection, I think, goes into that. And not that they're taking bad shots, but I'm saying you want to be taking the shots that you want to take, mm-hmm. not the shots that the defense is forcing you to take. Right. Like, go ahead and take, we'll give you that. No, we don't want the crumbs of the offensive yeah. selection in terms of our shots. We want to take the shots we want to take. And of those shots, we want to knock the majority of those down. And I think they have to take uh, advantage of where they have advantages. And I think it's inside, obviously, when they're playing Louisville, I think they have the size advantage, but so did Tennessee, right? Yeah. Tennessee has size advantage, but Olivia Cochran, she was magnificent on key and she has the, you know, the big black yeah, she, eye. She has a souvenir. Man, that thing was crucial. Um, but so she's battle tested because of that. And all season long, she's been fantastic down in the paint, even giving up size. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I just think it's sometimes it's about positioning. Sometimes it's about your footwork. Sometimes it's about your speed. And I think she possesses all of that. So she could be disruptive Julia Boston down there because of all three of those factors, but it's got to be a collective effort. Like you were saying, you know, in terms of the rebounding in terms of, you know, clogging the space of Leah Boston. So she can't turn. Mm-hmm. And if she does turn, she can, you know, create a charge, you know, there there's gotta be some kind of, um, I guess a tornado effect yeah. when it comes to surrounding her with a lot of attention um, and because they're not hitting the threes. I mean, when Henny knocked in that one three, it was like, okay, you know, that yeah, gives yeah. Boston some relief, you know, and then now you can go back downstairs and get her some touches, but they've got to be able to knock those shots down because you know, she's going to draw a crowd. Right. Mm-hmm. And maybe it doesn't have to be a three. Maybe it can be, you know, a scramble to the closeout for a three and Henny gets by somebody. Right. And pulls up for a mid range. Yeah. So maybe they can look to that mid range area you know, since their threes aren't falling, but there's always a way to, to find a way to score. There's yeah. always a way. Um, and it's, and it is, you got to calculate it. Um, and you have to look at what your percentages are obviously, and, and who's doing best, who's in a great flow and rhythm, but it doesn't always have to be inside or outside. Like when I say yeah. inside, it's in the restricted area, area of the paint or outside the three line. Like we don't need you know, those two as being the determining the factors, two, like yeah. let's, let's not forget the mid range game. So I think, I don't know, you know, Don Staley is, she's a, a tremendous coach, obviously I'm getting back to consecutive final fours, but I think, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, you got to make your threes. It, it doesn't have to be that for South Carolina, but it does have to be, be cognizant of getting in the eye view of Aaliyah Boston when she gets the ball and she gets crowded with two and a half kids on her. Yeah. Like somebody's got to move. Somebody's got to take a dive cut from the foul mm-hmm. line and get to the opposite side. That's going to be there. There are other opportunities for other players on South Carolina to score the ball. 
but it's got to be quick reads and reactions. It's got to be, especially against a team like Louisville, who is excellent on the defensive end and making reads. They did a tremendous job on Nas Hillman. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just remember um, her being crowded with the ball. And a couple of times there were some slips on the opposite side for Emily Kaiser for Michigan to, to get some mm-hmm. buckets because of it. So if South Carolina can move and, and shake uh, off the ball, you know, especially when Boston gets it yeah. up, they'll be better served. They'll be better served. Yeah, and they, they have struggled that a little bit, especially in the Miami game. They, they just didn't yeah. – you're right. Like, they were just stagnant kind of on the outside. And, um, you know, I think to a certain extent, though, like, I think South Carolina would like mid-rangers. I Cook can, can bury mid-rangers. This year has been extremely tough for Zia Cook, and I, she actually had a nice game against North Carolina. Not even, like – it's not even close to her best game. Um, it's just mm-hmm. been such a struggle. It's just been such a struggle mm-hmm. this year. And, I, you know, that's a player that I just want to see break out because she's such a great player. And, you know, she, you could see the work and the focus that she has. Um, but, you know, right now it's the shots not falling, right? So you, you kind of have to live with it. But one thing that's been strug- been a struggle for her is, like, teams are, again, especially Miami, um, yeah. you know, they're packing in that 2-3 zone right at the elbow. Their guards are at the elbows, and then their their wings are, like, right almost in the lane, not, not even, like, getting out to the corners. So it's like someone needs to hit one or two of those to start. I think yeah. they did that against North Carolina. They hit the early threes. It's not necessarily hitting – all the threes it's right early ones just to like like you're saying like it, release the pressure release the pressure yes. a little bit she um and i think she does but again I, again I'm, I'm not kidding like they may just not need it it may just be like okay hey y'all can put 18 people in the paint and it doesn't matter because the other boston's getting this rebound she's putting it back up and she does a great job and one thing that would have like another big any other big literally any other big that's left in this tournament when you're talking about um you know when they when they they have two people on her on the boards, it's right. like one thing that Haley Van Lith is excellent at is coming around and poking the ball. But Leah Boston, that ball doesn't come down. She keeps it up nope. high. Yeah. It's just like she's so she's so just perfect. Like it, it's just yeah. like every little thing. It's it's the little things, right? It's the little Absolutely. things that add up to to this superstar. You know, yeah. she the footwork is there. She keeps the ball high on rebounds. Mm-hmm. You watch her in practice. Like we got to see the first fifteen minutes of practice. They're doing layup lines and she's talking, you know, you don't see that. I don't see that from other teams. She's talking to her teammates saying, Hey, good job. Hey, go left. Hey, we're doing wheat. Like that, that like every little thing she does well. Um, I think she's just such a, she's beyond uh, any player we've seen this season. No shade to anybody else. She's just in a tier by herself. Uh, above the rest above the rest of the country at the moment um and you know yes. i still think they can lose i'm not trying to say they can't lose i'm just saying at the moment they are so locked in i think with right. that with that much talent being locked yes. in is the is the hardest and biggest task right yeah no doubt and i mean alia boss is just so smart i mean she's just smart yes. with what she knows when and where to attack and and that's not just when she has the ball but what crevice to attack when her mm-hmm. teammate shoots the ball to get the to get to the offensive boards right mm-hmm. i think she is um she's just developed in in such a way from freshman year to now in that regard mm-hmm. just the the win the win to attack i mean we know that she knows how to right but now i think what has really been fun to watch is when she attacks, how she attacks, and the wisdom that she brings to it. And when you have a vocal post player 
I think that really helps. I mean, we love guards and I'm not just saying that because I was yeah. opposed, but I think it really does help because you see the floor in a different way from the post position, right? Mm-hmm. You see different things. And I think when you have that kind of leadership, that vocal leadership coming from a player like Leah Boston, like you were saying in the practices, I bet that was fun to see her step up into that kind of role. It doesn't always have to be the guards who are the leaders. Like if you're a leader, you're a leader, regardless of how tall you are, regardless mm-hmm. of your position on the floor, lead right so she possesses that quality and I think that's what's carried South Carolina as well so I just think they have they have all the pieces but again they just need to be consistent on the offensive end you know what they're going to bring on the defensive side Um, but man don't count out this Louisville team because they are a buzzsaw when it comes to constant energy on the defensive end I mean Emily Angsler I mean can we just talk about her for a second because she, she did not score the ball well in their last game against Michigan. And she had less than six points. I know she got a couple on the free throw yeah. line, but I was, I was running at the end. So I don't know what she ended up with. I think five or six points she ended up with, but she had 16 rebounds game. And so we're talking about, you know, the motor that Aaliyah Boston has on the glass. Emily Angsler has it too. And she's six two. put in the body work, you know, when she left Syracuse, she lost 50 pounds. And another player who has been dedicated to, like you said, the conditioning portion of this. And I just think she is just all over the place, deflections, blocks, steals, and her ability to rebound. And I don't know, her energy is just nonstop. And if she's not scoring the ball, she didn't shoot the ball well, but she's not sulking about it. She's like, hey, man, I'm not making shots, but guess what I am going to do? I'm gonna get this block. <laughs> Guess what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna get 16 rebounds, right? There, there's always something that she can find to do to impact the game. And I think, you know, she is she's gonna be a problem for South Carolina too. I mean, they've got to guard them as well. Okay, so uh, just with the way that she plays and yeah. Haley Van Lith, I mean, 20 points in every single NCAA game this year. I mean, at the beginning of the year, what did she start? One for 19, one for 17, one for she 19. Come, for yeah, three. she could buy a bucket. Could score. But she was the one you're talking about practices. I mean, the practice um, on the on the on the dark day in between the two games, mm-hmm. and you know she stayed after and, and was shooting around with Sam Purcell. Congrats to him going to uh, Mississippi yeah. State as the head coach. But he's sticking with his Louisville squad. But he's rebounding for her, and she's knocking in three after three after three after three. And I'm like, you know, that's what it takes. You know, and there's a game the next day and she's grinding it out and hitting every spot going around the horn. You know, I'm like, you know, that's why she's a great player. And oh, yeah. that's, you know, she puts the work in and she's going to be a problem too. You know, so South Carolina, for as great as they are defensively, they're going to have a, a test on their hands when they have this Louisville team in front of them. And they're playing with such fire and intensity it's just fun to to watch. I can't wait for the games uh, if you can't tell already. But yeah. I think it's gonna be a, I think it's gonna be a tremendous matchup um, just with the defensive minds of Jeff Walls for Louisville and and Don Staley for South Carolina. But it's gonna be who can make the shots they want, mm-hmm. right? Who yeah. can make the shots that they want to take? You can't settle for taking what the defense is giving you. And I know that's always take what the defense gives you. No, you take what you want from the defense and you make them play you. And I think that's what we're going to see. And that's the chess match that I am really anxious to watch. No, I think it's good. I think it is a good matchup to, to, to uh, the, the stat line for Emily Angsler is completely wild in this game that I want to read out five points on one of nine shooting. That's bad yeah. folks. That's not what you want. Three or four no. from the line though. 
Hey, oh, make your free throws. Make a free throw. Make your free throws, kids. Make your free throws, kids. Uh, and okay. 16 rebounds, two of them mm-hmm. offensive, four assists, uh, six steals. Come on. Six steals and a block. Uh, and then only one turnover to go along with those forces. So yeah, the, uh, it, a weird, a weird stat line, but it's very Emily Anxler. And I think you're it. right. Like it is an interesting matchup. Cause I think the start, if you look at the starting lineups, right. Right, right, right. Um, so for Louisville, that's going to be Van Lith, Smith, uh, yeah, Kiana Smith, excuse me, Chelsea Hall, Emily Anxler and Olivia Cochran. Those right. those five versus South Carolina starting five of Destiny Henderson, Zia Cook. Uh, I don't even know who who else has been. Uh, who else Beal. Has been, uh, yeah, Beal will start. Um, you know, yeah, they, they kind of been running like the three has just been, you know, uh, coming on and off. And then I right. think, you know, we'll see who else is going to start too. But obviously Boston and just like another another group of like six, two players, with extremely <laughs> long arms will be coming yeah. at you. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think the matchup is like not terrible. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think it's I don't think it's terrible. So yeah, so- Saxon started. Sorry, that's what that was confusing me. Saxon played a lot okay. against Creighton. I think she'll play a lot again. Um, Lily Grissett's been playing a lot. Um, so you know, just like that group of Saxon Beal, uh, me here, Grissett, along with Boston, and then Cardoso yeah. as well that can come off the bench. Like it's yeah. not a terrible matchup because I think you know Cochran, like you mentioned, she's a little, she's undersized compared to Boston, but she plays up. Emily Angsler, undersized again, and whoever's going to be playing the 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 opposite front court spot to Boston, but again, she can play up and she can bring yeah. things. She brings things uh, defensively and offensively that could be a problem for some of those players. Like she she's actually a player that could fit in on South Carolina with all of those course. long arms and you know <laughs> yeah. range, rangy players. Um, on the yeah. wing so you know they could they could provide some resistance download they can be good rebounders so obviously strong rebounders um right. you know so i think those two they match up pretty well i think the one through the one through three rotation for south carolina i mean for louisville is going to be a bit of an issue just because you know Hen, uh they can match up with henny uh right. van lith it, it can match up with henny it's just the rest of the rotation is really small compared to their counterparts in south carolina Right, and you kind of add in the fact that like it's going to be tough for them to really help rebounding. I think they'll right. be help, helpful in digs and stuff. So South Carolina tries to post up, and like they like to do. I think it'll be yeah. a little bit tougher for them. But I think the rebounding aspect's going to be difficult for those for those backcourt players to super help with. So they'll need to come up with some creative things. But like like I'm saying, like you mentioned, I think it's a pretty good matchup here. I don't I don't see there, there's not like a huge gaping hole where we just say, well, South Carolina. You know, they can have the size it like against Creighton. I loved I loved covering Creighton. I really had a great time watching that team play. But it was abundantly clear as soon as you saw the two teams step on the court. Well, one team is like eight inches taller on average. <laughs> like that's not gonna happen against Louisville. Louisville can 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 stand up to them. I think you know. Hey, maybe Liz Dixon plays a bigger role. Liz Dixon okay. six five. So I, right. she hasn't played. She, her minutes are up and down, and she's had had big games this year. You know, she's right. a senior. She can, she's been in these moments. So I think she, she may have to come up big, but I, I'm with you. I think the starting lineup is, is not a bad matchup. And the other thing I want right. to mention is Louisville has been excellent at pressing throughout the season, but particularly in this tournament, they've been really good. And South Carolina statistically struggles a lot against the press. I didn't see teams do it that often against like North Carolina tried it a bit against South Carolina, but not as much as I I thought maybe they could have. 
right? I think Louisville's right. going to hit him with it. So those are those, those yeah, are my things. But, like they're yeah. not going to lose the game at the first minute because they're so undersized. And they if they can right. press and do execute that well, I, I could see it happening. I could see the upset happening. Yeah, I mean, and speaking with Jeff Walls about the press, right? He said in the first two rounds we brought it out. We haven't pressed a lot all season long, right? But in their first two games in the NCAA tournament, they brought it out and it worked for them. So they said, hey, we're going to try it again just because, and it goes back to what we were saying earlier about trust and success, right? So now he trusts that his team can execute. And at spot moments, he's not going to press the entire game, right? But in spot moments, a made free throw or a made shot, you know, they might, you know, every other made shot, they may do it and bring it out or every three made shots. So you yeah. never know when it's coming, which is, is going to be difficult for South Carolina because there's no rhyme or reason to it. This is there sometimes, sometimes it's not. And it keeps you off balance and on your toes. But I think Jeff Walls has said it like it's work for us. So we're going to try it. Like, I'm sure they're going to bring that out, especially seeing, you know, the difficulties that South Carolina has had against the press. So we'll see what that looks like. Um, if they can get it over that first line of their press, you know, and then they have that relief to the middle and then opposite. I mean, they can, they can break it, but it's going to be, it's going to be quite a test to get it over that front line for, I, for Louisville defensively. Right. I agree. I, I think it is going to be, I mean, it's going to be tough, but you know, I'm not going to get too ahead of myself. <laughs> right. It's South Carolina. And I still, for the record, I still think they're going to win. Um, I don't know. Do you agree? I think we haven't changed our picks. Generally. No. We haven't changed our picks. And I think, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a great game. I hope it's another epic, yeah. you know, dramatic game, like the UConn NC state game. And I, I think it's going to be something like that. It's going to, it's not going to be neither one of these games in the final four, by the way, or any of the three games in the final four are going to be a blowout. Well, I mean, these teams are at this point of the season for a reason. Okay. They're tough. Okay. And not that the other, 60 whatever four teams yeah. aren't i mean they they were tough enough to get into the tournament so there there's toughness across the board but there is consistency there is efficiency and when you have the toughness to go with those two things that's why they're at this point and at the pinnacle of of making history for their programs so i think it's gonna be a close game between south carolina and louisville i think it's gonna be a defensive battle but it's going to come down to who makes the shots that they want. And I think it's going to be a challenge for both teams to, to get the shots that they want. And that's why we love watching. Yeah, no, I, I will. We'll see. We're going to, I'm, I'm interested in this one. I think it's going to be good. So just so everyone knows uh, the line right now, according to ESPN is South Carolina favored by eight points. Um, our, uh, her hoop stats model, which has been crushing it in the NCAA tournament. It really has has uh, South Carolina as a six-point favorite wow. uh, and also has the total points at 123, whereas the over-under on the betting markets is 120. So if you're looking wow. for some bets, there may be some good ones. <laughs> there may be some good ones there, and I think it might be uh, it might be worth your time to, to look into our Herhoop stats model because it has been crushing it if you're a betting folk. So that'd be good. Uh, we, we'll see that game 7 p.m. on ESPN. Uh, I'll be in the boat. I'll be in the building in the Target wow. Center. Yeah. I'll be in the building here at home. Uh, <laughs> watching with popcorn and my fuzzy slippers on and just having a blast shouting uh, to the rooftops in here. So that'll well, be fun. 
let's uh let's keep it going let's let's talk about the other game um stanford uconn which will come on right after that at 9 30 p.m uh, uh both these games are on espn and as, as you mentioned uh, yeah. the the ratings are crushing it i think this one will Insane. will attract a lot of eyeballs with the defending champs in uconn um yeah. on a neutral floor so the the line here and i'll start with this because i, I like this now i should start with it last time Right. The line for Stanford is uh, they are favored by one point according wow. to the betting market. And then wow. they the over-unders 128.5. Uh, according to our model, Stanford should win this game by two points. Um, and the total points will be around 126. So our wow. model suggests betting Stanford, Stanford um, minus a plus one. No, wait. Yeah, Stanford minus one, Stanford minus one, and then uh, the under in that one. But the matchup's amazing. I mean, the matchup's amazing. You know, g- guess who's leading this tournament in scoring among players that are still playing? Oh, man. Aaliyah Boston? No. Wait, wait. Haley? No. Jones? No. It is- hey, wait. No, wait, tell me. Who is it? Do you want me to tell you? Do you- yeah, okay. tell me. It is Lexi Hall. She has 22 points a game. Oh, right. Wow. I, I saw that. I was like, no way. Correct. I, I'm, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, guys. I did look this up on CBB analytics. Um, so I may have done something wrong, but they're, they're, they're telling me that they, uh, wow. that she's in fact leading the uh, tournament in scoring among players are still around. Uh, she's been phenomenal and she's been open. Uh, also, mm. those two things help. She, yeah, she had, because remember, she had, thir- she had 13 in the first round, 36 right. in the second, 19 right. against Maryland, and 20 against Texas. So, wow. yeah, she leads, the, she leads the, the tournament in scoring. Cameron Brink has been amazing, 4.3 blocks a game. Let me say that again. 4.3 blocks a game. Um, six, against, six against Texas. You know, Haley Jones is doing Haley Jones thing. They, they're just cruising along. I think they... Yeah. they Texas gave them all they could handle, but Texas is a really good team. Um, and yeah. they won by nine points and, you know, they were cruising against uh, Maryland for a long time until the end of that game and Maryland fought back. Yes. Uh, so Stanford looks good. So I don't know. I guess the question is, did UConn's win over NC state change our mind? Because we picked Stanford to head to the national championship game um, in the courtside bracket. I, I don't think so. Okay. I mean, I know, I know that they, they played great and they're getting, you know, contributions across the board, you know, Chris and Williams, I know is the X factor. Like I always like to call her. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think when you have a team like Stanford who has won it already last year with in essence, the same group of players, I mean, minus two, but I mean, you have your foundation and your core back yeah. and, and you have Tar Vanderveer over there. I mean, mm. I don't know. It's it, what a story for her. We're talking about coach K writing his story and leaving his legacy. What about Tara Vanderveer oh, and no. what she's been able to do and, and what she's on the precipice of doing did again. You, I mean, did you see the graphic? I don't know if the, I don't know if this is in your game. I don't remember where this came up, but like the three most winning coaches in college basketball history are all in the tournament with yes. Tara, Coach K, and Gino, yeah, all in the tournament. So it was just really cool. Sorry, I wanted to bring that it, up. Before no, no, no. I love it. No, I love it. But you know, you have to give credit where credit is due, and I think it's definitely due for Tara Vanderveer and 
and what she's been able to do and and to withstand that push that Maryland mm. gave them at the end uh, of that game in particular, I think just shows that that level of experience and and fortitude. And, you know, you can't really quantify what experience does for yeah. you at this point of the season. Um, and I know when Maryland won in 06, they had freshmen and sophomores on the floor. So, I mean, the, oh, uh, heck, that, a, heck of a group of freshmen and sophomores for that team. Yeah, uh, they were not, they were not bad. Um, but so, I, I mean, it's not like, a, you know, cut and dry discussion I'm trying yeah. to have, but I'm saying for the most part, when you have teams who have that, that consistency of experience and they've tasted success, <laughs> and we're talking success and trust. And I love that, but I think there's a lot of trust that goes into it oh, because yeah. of what you've been able to do together. And I think that's what Stanford brings forward to this game. Um, I mean, 13 consecutive final fours for Gino. And I think, what was their last championship in 2016? If I'm not mistaken, I believe that's right. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a, right. what a, what a drought for UConn that they haven't won a championship every single season. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to Am UConn right? fans. Huh? I'm, I'm going to look at it. I don't remember. I, mean, just, I, don't, I, I believe so, it's 2016. Uh, yeah, 2016. Yeah, what a... What a, me, like, what a tremendous <laughs> drought. What a tremendous drought. But 13 consecutive, right? right? 13 consecutive final fours. 14. 14. 14 now, now. Okay, yeah, 14. So 14 consecutive final fours. And their last one was in 2016. For Louisville, I know they haven't been back to the final four since 2018, right? Mm -hmm. So for this group of players, it's their first time. But these coaches have been battle tested. They've oh, yeah. all been there. So that's that's one thing. Okay, but the players coming to that position, you know, to be in the final four, it's new for them. Yeah. You know, it's new for them. And and to do what it takes to win, I think is going to be um, quite a challenge. And and to have all those basketball minds like I was in huddles, you know, watching whiteboards and, and not that I'm in there to report on strategy yeah. i'm there to report on the emotions and you know the things coming out of it leadership wise and and focal points but i mean for me as a coach and former player to see the whiteboard and those discussions oh i was in my happy place and i'm just like and i'm not going to report on hey they're running yeah. whatever play but i'm looking at it personally as you know a learning experience i'm like wow this is like a free basketball clinic yeah. for me i'm in these huddles with these basketball savants you know, and I get to, to really watch and learn. And then to see it unfold on the floor, like he, like Jeff Walls in particular, just drew up this play, right? And I was just over the shoulder of a player watching, you know, and, and watching how, uh, what he was looking for to get executed. Boy, they ran it to perfection, missed the shot, but, yeah. but they ran it to perfection. Like everybody did what they were supposed to do. It was exactly what he had, you know, on the whiteboard, right? And I don't even think I had a report coming out of that one. Um, but I just think, you know, to see it unfold like that, it, it's just really a lot of fun. And to see it executed, I think is another thing. So all five players, there was no breakdown. There was no player like, which way do I go on this one? Or where am I supposed to go? It was like, boom, boom, boom. So nice. that's, the, that's what they need right now. All four teams need that level of focus, right? And execution and, you know, to have these coaches running it yeah, how fun is that? How fun is that? Like just to to see, you know, them at their best, right? Wanting their players to be at their best as well. 
no it, it is Candyland. just like being able like when we were <laughs> when we were in college park we got to stay for like the entire practices because i was hanging out with christy and christy's on tv um so i was like hey i'm also here like don't worry about me um and just like watching all the coaches like go through their sets and talk about the other team sets and you know, oh man it was it was candy land i was having yeah. an incredible time um but so yeah just like watching and the basketball this tournament has been amazing i don't think, yes. I think that kind of goes without saying um but yes. just like yes. the x's no yes. stuff has been fantastic uh but let's what we're gonna set our back to stanford and uconn um because okay. i think one of the x's nose things here is like Stanford obviously loves to run a lot of Princeton sets. Um, yes. You know, they love to chin you to death. Um, yes. They, they love, they really have a ton of stuff that they can throw at you, but you know, UConn also kind of does a lot of that. They, they kind of, UConn runs a lot of chin actions, a lot of Princeton actions, a lot of screen to screener mm-hmm. stuff. So yep. they're going to be a little bit more ready, I think, than some of the other teams that Stanford has played in playing this kind of complex um, system. You know, yes. I, I think I don't think it's going to be quite um, as much of a, a foreign language when they're preparing. I think that's mm-hmm. a really it's a really big step up um, from right. other teams that just, you know, there's not a ton of teams that run this this like high level of Princeton style offense that I think, you know, I think Stanford's really known for. And I think UConn's going to be ready for it on that side. Yes. That being said, I mean, I, it's just tough. Um, unless Paige Beckers is supernova as she was so it's not impossible she was i think stanford just has the advantage in pretty much every category in terms of like you're saying um you know knowledge of each other you know this team's just been playing a lot more together this year um because then uconn had injuries so it's just like there's still you could tell up until like the second overtime like uconn was still trying to get back into it same with Paige. like Paige was trying to get back into the game yeah Yeah. um so I think Stanford just has an, a, an experience advantage in terms of this year of playing. I think they have, yeah. um, you know, the, the size advantage. I think they have a lot of matchups that are going to, are going to mess with um, UConn. And I think they're just, they're just playing like a little bit better at the moment. They're just executing stuff a little yeah. bit better at the moment than UConn. Um, I, think, yeah. I think they'll come out on top. Yeah. I just think, you know, and, and not, not only has UConn battled injuries throughout the season, but now Dorka Juhas is yeah. out. Yeah, and I think that's really going to impact them as well. I mean, she's 6'4", six, 6'5", six, stretch the floor and knock mm-hmm. in timely threes and, and loosen things up inside with Edwards and Adota. I, I think that's going to be a difference. And, you know, to make that adjustment with just a couple of days to to work on that and practice, et cetera, mm-hmm. that's going to be something to watch for as well to see how disruptive her absence on the floor is for UConn. But yeah, I mean, obviously they have the pieces and they know when, when they're challenged, they have players who can step up. Right. And we've seen that throughout the season as well. And Kristen Williams, I mean, I'm just going to go back to her. I think she's going to be the one who, who tilts the scale in terms of the overall team success for UConn, especially in the absence of Dorka Juhas. We know what Paige Beckers is able to do. We know what AZ Fight has done and what she is able to do. But when it comes down to it, hey, man, you know, you, you've got to really make some adjustments on the fly. You can't, again, account for injuries, especially at this point in the season. Like, you're ready to go in with all your, your chess pieces in the box, and now you're missing Dorka Juhas, who has been, you know, a pivotal piece for them. So I think it's it's going to be quite a challenge, but I, I think Gino Arena has built for that. He's seen that before. Mm-hmm. I remember um, Abrosimova 
got hurt, you know, down in the NCAA tournament years back. Um, you know, I just think he's he's seen it and done it before. He knows how to prepare his team for absences of injured players. So, I mean, I think that's definitely something to look for, especially at the beginning of the game. How is their rhythm different without Dorka Juhas on the court? So I think yeah. that's going to be interesting to, to look for. You know what else is interesting is like the – the Spider-Man meme with the two Spider-Mans pointing back and forth <laughs> to each other between Olivia Nelson and Dota and Cameron Brink. Like just two players who have all like the tools that. in the world. Yeah. And, <clears throat> and Cameron's been incredible in this tournament. Yeah. Absolutely stunning. Like the passing, the shooting, like everything. She's a unicorn. I think she, we're going to be talking about her next year as like a generational talent, but just like those two who love to foul. Those yeah. two players yeah. love to foul. Yeah. Um, and like, frankly, Olivia Nelson and Dota got away with like, between six and eight fouls against yeah. NC State. And that happens, but she she just – it's going to be really funny to see which one of them gets in foul trouble first because I guarantee you one of them will be in foul trouble. I can guarantee it without yeah. a shade of um, – And Ellie, I think I, that, hurts, that hurts UConn more, though, they, right? It hurts UConn without more. Dorka on the floor. So, so I, I, it's smart. Discipline. You know, the other player that needs to step up, and we've said this all year, is Avina Westbrook. I mean, like, look, if, it, if there's a time to do it, Avina, now is the time. Now is the time because we, I, I'm not, I don't think you can really count on it at this point, but if you're going to have a big offensive game, now is the time of, you know, so yeah. we'll, we'll see um, if she can step up. I think Aaliyah Edwards played nicely too. So UConn has a chance. Who do you think at the, I mean, UConn has a better chance than Louisville, right? Uh, I think so. Uh, I, I think, I, gosh, that's such a tell, you know, me, I, I I'm going through, when you ask me questions, yeah. I have like 10 wheels spinning because there's so many factors for me um, that have to go right. Uh, I think it, it's going to be, I think Louisville is going to surprise some people with their energy yeah. on the defensive end. And, and if they can turn that into points off turnovers, which they did against Michigan, I think that could be a, a difference maker that we're not really talking about. So I'm not ready to count Louisville out. I can't, I can't. Oh, I have no. my eyeballs on them. I have my eyeballs on them. Um, I don't know. That's going to be tough. I know for, for UConn, I think the challenge is going to be what they look like without um, one of their rotational players to rotate to um, with UHAS. But I think, I mean, I mean, you, you already said the numbers, you know, uh, yeah. so plus eight for South Carolina and plus two for Stanford. So I think, yeah, I think that that tells the story right there statistically of, with everything all calculated through, but the eyeball test for me you know, I think it's going to be, I think both games are going to be two point games or one yeah. point games or buzzer beater situations. I think both games are going to be close and tight. Or late free throws. Or late free throws. Or will make free them. throws. Yeah. Or free throws. And we were talking about that. Uh, so I don't know if I answered your question, but I, I huh. mean, yeah, I think UConn has a better chance, but I, I can't, I can't say that a thousand percent because of Louisville's energy on defense. They just, they're fighters, man. Like, like they don't quit. And Haley Van Lith, like I got the the video or the viral video now that's that's all over the place um, with her Mamba mentality, you know. Um, but there's a piece that was on the ACC network about uh, Haley Van Lith and her dad going to an elementary school to work out and how they would battle each other and they would go at all hours of the night in this school. And he was super physical with her and he said it, you know, he said, you know, sometimes she didn't want to go. I was like, we're going. And that's just the investment of a great girl dad, right? Yeah. To be able to sacrifice and, and, and do it. Maybe he didn't want to, I mean, he's driving all around and traveling all over the place, you know, nine, 10 hours a day and then 
going in the gym with her four or five hours every night. And, and that's why she's at the elite level that she is because of that investment and, and work ethic that, that he presented to her. But for Kobe Bryant to want to work out with Haley Van Lip and cool. for Gigi to see it, right? For Gigi to see it and for him to go to her game two weeks before, unfortunately, they tragically pass away. Um, you know, I, I watched that video the day of the game. And I think that's why that was on my on my spirit to to ask her, like, what would that little girl say to you? You know, that worked mm -hmm. out in the gym with her dad, like in the dusty elementary school gym for hours and hours. And what would she say to you in this moment? Like, it took you that kind of effort to get you here kind of situation. And then, you know, with um, asking her about Kobe, I just think that that his name needs to remain in the women's game because Gigi, rest her soul, my gosh, would be a high school sophomore or junior right now. And it's just, it's so tragic. But I think his his imprint is still on the game of, of basketball in general. But I think, especially 100%. on the women's side, um, because of the relationships that he built with players like Haley Van Lith. And you know, maybe people didn't know that story, but they do now. I mean, Sports Illustrated, yeah. all these people are like talking about it. So I'm like, well, I think that's just another way to, to keep Kobe Bryant and Gigi Bryant um, and their legacies in front of us. I know um, Vanessa Bryant, I know she um, had it on her story, you know, the clip of Haley Van List saying what, what Kobe would say and, and he would definitely say oh. something like that to her, I'm sure. Oh, but it was just, I don't know, it was just, uh, for me, it was, it was special because, you know, I think that he needs to, you know, that's just another great way to keep the mama mentality flowing through our, yeah. our women's game, so. Oh, I love it. I need the shirt. I need the shirt. Go, go bleep. Go bleep and win this bleep um, from, from Haley Van Lip. Love it. I can't believe I was standing there and she said, and then I was like, okay, thank you so much. Thanks. I was like, okay. But <laughs> it's, like, yeah. it's also like, <laughs> I, I, like, honestly, I, I heard, I was, I was waiting for her answer. And I was like, I mean, this has to include a curse word if it's Kobe. <laughs> it's like, that's oh, what he did. Yeah. He was, he was uh, that, he was that type of guy. So, um, yeah. no, I, I love that answer. And I think it's, a, it's a great moment. Um, you know, very clippable moment. I don't know if it's going to make uh, one shining moment. Um, just because <laughs> if it's content, yeah. if it's just, if it's just uh, video, no audio, maybe, yeah. but it'll be, a, it'll be an R one shining moment as a collective yeah. society of, oh, of basketball yeah. fans. Um, yeah. it'll be a, my one shining moment. Um, <laughs> And mine for sure but yeah those are our two final four games uh i don't think it makes sense too much uh, to uh, talk too much about the final yet um maybe yeah. we can maybe we can we can rip a pod on in the off day um yeah. maybe we'll see if we can we'll see if we can get that done to talk more about the final but i mean we both have do do you think uh just like one one we're just gonna pick it we're gonna pick it right now because we both picked okay. south carolina and stanford to make it okay I'm still picking Stanford. I'm still I'm sticking with our bracket because I I want it. I'm doing okay. it. I I like that, but I just think there's going to be the redo factor for South Carolina. Sure. And I know and I know we picked you know Stanford like collectively as a team, Gabe. But <laughs> I don't no, know. I, I just I just I keep picturing Aaliyah Boston's face when she missed that shot, dude. And I just think that is going to take her to another level in that game, and she's going to play an amazing game and yeah. just put it behind her and leave that as her legacy and not that missed shot no. as her legacy in the final four and, and her attempt to get a title. I, I just, I just think she's got it in her. 
to prove herself right. And it's not about proving anyone wrong. It's about proving yourself right at this point. And I think Aaliyah Boston has that quality in her. And I think uh, that's what's going to get Stanford uh, and a loss in the championship hmm. game. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, I, honestly, I'll be happy for all four of these teams. Even, yes, even you, UConn. I will be happy for you guys if you win the championship because I really like the way the team plays and they care about each other. And that's all I'm in it for. That's all I'm in it for. I just want to see teams that care about each other do well. Um, So I'll be happy for all four of these teams. I think they should be very proud of of making it there, but you know, but I, I, I think Stanford, South Carolina is going to be amazing. And I agree. I mean, South Carolina has been incredible. Stanford has been incredible. So I I, won't, I'm really glad to see that we still have the hope for that. Um, we'll yes. see what happens before the title game. All right. So other, I did want to bring up some other things because we'll probably have to talk about these on a future courtside episode. Um, so eight, 88 players opted into the WNBA draft ahead of the final that. four. Saw that. That's a lot of horrors. Um, I mean, not a lot of spots. Yeah. There's like, I mean, I don't remember how many I counted, but it's, it's like almost, it's around 20 spots that are really available for draftees. So wow, tough. We'll but I got my, you know, I'm ready. Oh, I'm, I'm ready. ready for the draft, April 11th, and that's gonna be that's gonna be fun. But you know, I just hope that you know there's a safety net for yeah. for a lot of those kids because obviously those numbers, 88 of them, that you know, not everyone's gonna yeah. land on a team. Well, and I, I think you know, it, it's uh, hey, put your name in the draft if you're graduating. If not, you can always you can always play in Europe or you can get a day job. Like hey, the basketball it should be available to you. Um, so the elite eight players have an extra 48 hours, I believe. So I think, I don't know when that runs out or when that started, to be honest, but right. some, sometime this week, the elite eight players have to announce, uh, Nas Holman's already announced just in case you guys were wondering, yeah. um, final four players have until the same time frame, 48 hours after the championship game to opt in. Um, we assume that we know who's, who's doing that from, from these four teams, yes. uh, the other thing, I, I don't know if you caught it, uh, Lexi Brown was traded to the Sparks earlier today. Oh, my goodness. I missed that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's interesting. Wow. Yeah, she's going to she's gonna have to fight for a spot with Arella Griantis and Taya Cooper, I believe. We'll see what yeah. happens. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think that's a, that's a great pickup for them because they kind of need a, a nice vet guard there. Um, yeah, and they did a good job in that. She did a good job in the in the UA. Yeah, yeah. AU. Or the AU, I'm sorry. That's I'm, fine. My, my, son is on, my son is on the UA circuit. Right. I know. And I, I'm still recovering from flying back. <laughs> no, so, I, yeah. I'm, over, I'm overtired. So, yeah. Yeah. I, AU. I she did a great job on the AU. I knew that was the, I knew that was the, the mix up. <laughs> um, and yeah, Lexi. Cheers. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> and Lexi, so uh, shouts to Lexi Brown getting to LA. I think I think she'll have some playing time there. Hopefully, hopefully. Uh, yeah. And then the other thing, just like as a general concept, we cannot get into this because there's way too much stuff to talk about. The coaching yeah. carousel and the oh, transfer God. portal are out of control. Out of control. It's crazy. crazy. It's too much to keep up, keep up with. I have no yeah. idea what's happening. We need a whole pod for that too. So I just found out. I'm, I was like I was like looking at the uh, at the at the women's college tracker. Uh, from my guy Raul at WBB blog. That's great. Right. I just found out that my law school alma mater, William Mary, has a coaching opening. They, they're going to yes. have a new coach. I did not yes. know that. I literally just found that out. Yeah, Ed Swanson uh, yeah. was out down there. So great and guy. Ed's, Ed's a great guy. Yeah, I was about to say. Great guy, man. Yeah. And he did pretty so, well. I mean, he did pretty well. 
but yeah. um yeah, yeah he, he's 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 on his way out and just like disorienting <laughs> disorienting yeah. to see all the changes um and, yeah. and then the and transfer I- portal tool yeah, you said the transfer portal. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah, I was just saying the transfer portal and the coaching carousel have just been crazy. So we'll have to Insane. do a whole thing. Yeah, just with with William and Mary real quick. Um, one of our players from South Lakes, Abby Rendell, oh. uh, graduated from William and Mary a couple years ago. And, um, you know, so the recruiting process and all that yeah. uh, with, with Ed was great. And they also offered Bree, you know, to, yeah. to play down there. So the recruiting process with her. So, I mean, you hate to see people go, especially mm-hmm. – the coaches like that that you know and and have had relationships with but you know there's there's a spot for him somewhere because he's oh, yeah. a great coach so and, and a great person too so they just like it, it was like literally like i was scrolling down the list i was like we're like, married like we we have and natasha there you know we yes. saw her and we were talking about how you know we were really excited about delaware and now she's in arizona state good for yes. her uh joni taylor is going to AM. so that's a whole like you mentioned that's a whole different podcast so we'll, yeah we'll, we got to do a whole one felicia going back to syracuse i love it so i love her that's my girl i'm so mm-hmm. glad she got that job yeah uh, brooke white broke down um fsu at, um, fsu yeah no it's it is her? we need a whole yeah. thing because virginia has yeah, a coach. so uh, we'll, we'll get into all that uh at a different point <laughs> after the final four broadcaster anyway but go ahead so because we have the we have the so we have the final four this weekend which is fantastic then we have the WNBA draft the following weekend, which is fantastic. However, Gabe, I don't know if Gabe's going to make it because he has been <laughs> to, to like four straight days of basketball at College Park, went to, Gre- went to Greensboro, heading to Minnesota, going to head up to New York for the draft. Um, so mid-April, uh, you, you guys should send me some chocolate. I'll need I'll need. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we're gonna do our dinner in that little part right in between college and WNBA. We're gonna right. we're gonna do a dinner, you know, you I'm and Em and <laughs> Christy and I are gonna be asleep. I know. <laughs> Jerome and I'm like a talk. You guys, you guys hang out. <laughs> you guys talk amongst yourselves. We're taking a nap. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's all I got, it. Christy. That's all I yeah. got. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I can't wait for these games, Gabe. They're cutting the lights on us here, courtside. So we got to get up out of here uh, this time, but make sure you guys watch these games. Make sure you guys get your friends to watch these games because, you know, our young girls need this representation on this grand stage of the final four. So Mm -hmm. I'm just putting that out there and you learn so much and it's not just X's and O's that you learn about. Like you said, Gabe, these players and coaches, they care about one another. They want this experience for one another mm-hmm. and they're going to compete at a really, really high level. And that's the beauty of sports and, you know, drag people and get them to watch. I think, you know, a lot of people have, have put their eyes on our game and um, I think it's going to be even more so for the final four and beyond. So for this edition of Courtside with Christy and Gabe, we're going to cut it off, but we're going to bring you all of what you need to know coming up, possibly on an in-between pod uh, in between the two games and the championship game coming up soon right here on her hoop stats and the podcast network that we have here, but I'm Christy winter Scott for Gabe Ibrahim. Thank you guys so much for joining us and we will see you next time.